We'd love to hear your thoughts about the Yamaha podcast. Please feel free to send your comments to bandandorchestra at yamaha.com. Thank you for your support of Yamaha products. With a commitment to innovative instrument designs and an industry-leading five-year warranty, we are confident that you will be able to depend on Yamaha. Saxophonist and composer Dave Koz has cemented his reputation as one of the most expressive artists in contemporary music. He has established himself not only as a world-renowned saxophone player and multi-million selling solo recording artist, but also a syndicated radio host, record label exec, and instrumental music advocate. Dave hosts a weekly syndicated radio show, The Dave Koz Radio Show, along with Dave Koz in the Morning, a daily morning radio show on KTWV in the Los Angeles market. Yamaha marketing manager Kurt Witt joins Dave at the Rendezvous Entertainment Lounge and chats with Dave about his career, garnering three Grammy nominations, and the music business. Visit the official Dave Cause website at www.davecause.com. his beautiful rendezvous entertainment offices about a block or two from uh, Rodeo Drive. This is pretty nice, Dave. It doesn't suck. It does not suck. We, you, we're actually in our um, what would normally be a conference room at any other company. And uh, one of our partners here, a fellow who's the president of this label named Hyman Katz, he said, well, let's turn our conference room. Who needs another conference room, really? A big table with a bunch of chairs. So he decided, let's do a rendezvous lounge. And so we have this uh, beautiful um, semicircle couch with a bunch of great pillows on it. And there's, there's no table in here, which is great. And we have, when we have our staff meetings, everybody just kind of piles in, flops on the couch. You know, with all respects to James Brown, you appear to be the hardest working man in the music business. Now, you're every morning or many mornings on the radio here in Los Angeles. You're a record label executive, and you're a working professional saxophonist. How, how do all the three of those things come together for you? Well, sometimes I feel like, uh, I remember the old movie Sybil. I think she had 12 personalities. I only have three, but it really is a juggling act. And um, the nice thing is that those three careers uh, that you identified, they all have a nice thread going through them. And the thread is music. The thread is uh, appreciation and advocacy for for music. I think the number one for me is always going to be playing the saxophone. That's my that's how I started my career. It's the, certainly of all of the facets what everything revolves around. Um, it's probably the most important to me. Uh, my relationship with the horn. Um, but I love being able to be on the radio uh, and do the local show and. A, have a syndicated show as well and we have a couple of different things that uh, air outside of the U.S. too in a bunch of different countries. I love that aspect and I love being able to help other artists um, with their dreams and be a part of the team of some phenomenally talented musicians. Tell me about what brought you into the world of radio. 
it doesn't seem to be something that normally a musician would kind of fall into, but yet it seems like a perfect fit for you to be a, an advocate of instrumental music. How did you get involved in that? Well, there was a guy who um, was involved in a syndication company. Um, this is going back about 10 years, maybe a little bit more. Um, and his name is Paul Goldstein. And he was a friend of mine because he was a former a programmer, PD at a radio station. And he had this idea to bring a uh, smooth jazz show, weekend syndicated show, to the air, hosted by an artist in the format. And he reached out to me and he said, would you be interested in doing that? And I'm like, what? Are you nuts? I've never done anything like that. And he said, just go into a studio, try it out. I'll be there with you. We'll talk about it. We'll, I'll walk you through it. Well, if you heard those early demos, you would be surprised that anybody gave me a job. Really? But they did. And that show went on the air, I think it was 1994. Or 1990, yeah, the, the fall of 1994. And uh, it was called Personal Notes, hosted by Dave Koz in the very beginning. And then it took a couple of different syndicators, and it wound up being the Dave Koz radio show. But pretty much it's been uninterrupted for all these years. The great twist in this whole story is my current boss at The Wave in Los Angeles. Guess who it is? Paul Goldstein. He's the PD of The Wave, so it's really come full circle. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, Dave Koz, and during our recent Dave Koz and Friends at Sea cruise to the Mexican Riviera last November, we had the perfect opportunity to bring both fans and artists together. During our Guitar Summit, fans got a taste of guitarist Mark Antoine's background in classical performance. I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the, the record label and Rendezvous, and, and uh, how, how did that start? Was the record label an outgrowth out of you? looking for a better way to manage your career? Well, interestingly enough, I am not an artist on Rendezvous. I'm a co-founder um, and co-owner of this company, but I, my music still comes out on Capitol Records in the U.S. and EMI Worldwide. So I still have uh, another deal, um, which has been, I've been signed to the label for Coming up on 20 years, I've gone through six presidents, six regimes. Uh, for right now, it is a good place for me to be. Um, the current administration, they understand what I do. I'm the only instrumentalist on the label. That's really a strange thing. It's so not a jazz label. It's a, it's a pop, you know, rock, broad-based uh, major label. So... Uh, for, the, for the time being, they are happy to have me on the label, and I'm happy to be there. But how this company, Rendezvous, got started was really um, just a, the, the outgrowth of my relationship with Hyman Katz, who has since become our president. Um, we grew up as kids together. His mom used to work with my dad. I've known him since I was seven years old. We've always been friends. We've always been in the music business, but we never did anything together. And I would always bug him. I was like, let's do something together. Let's come on, man. Let's do something. And, you know, his mom and my mom would always try and create these fantastic things of how to put us together. Finally, um, I called him up. We had lunch, and the timing was right. And he said, you know, I want to leave my job. He was the president of, a, of an independent label called Unity. 
and he was looking for something different and he came in and we just started throwing ideas around in the earlier days and it didn't come clear what we wanted to do until a third partner came in and that's Frank Cody. Frank Cody is a radio legend and marketing and research legend started a company called Broadcast Architecture. Uh, Frank Cody is largely credited with starting the smooth jazz format 20 years ago or so. And so you had a record company guy, you had a radio and research and marketing guy, and you had an artist. And we thought that this was a nice troika, if you will, trio of influences to start a new kind of record company that that really appreciated the artists, really understood and respected the where the artists came from. Um, and that was at the time when a lot of artists were being dropped by major labels. So the timing, even though we went into the business, people looked at us like we were absolutely crazy. You're going into the music business? Are you nuts? And it turned out to be one of the, the best times because there was so much changing, and we just have stuck to what we know and, and developed our little own niche that we, that we know really, really well and stuck to that. And so far, knock on wood, it's been a success. Your title at Rendezvous is Vice President of Creative Development. Did I get that right? I, I didn't even know I had a title. I it's guess on I the do. website. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're listed first, Vice President of... It was some title that I thought, well, that means that you can go do whatever you want. Right. And not be held <laughs> accountable for anything, right? <laughs> well, I can't... Yeah, that's exactly it, Kurt. <laughs> I don't want to have to punch the clock, that's for sure. I want to be able to be footloose and fancy free and come in when I'm needed. And But I usually, when I'm in town, I'm usually here most days at the office because I, I feed off of the energy. We have a lot of young people here, a lot of people that are very passionate about music. I learn a lot. I keep my ears really open. Um, and we try and involve, our, involve all of our employees that are really in different kinds of air, arenas um, to be... It, as involved in the decision-making process as we, we can afford to. The roster of Rendezvous artists is really a, a bunch of, a collection of neat people and neat sounds. We had the pleasure of listening to a handful of the CDs that uh, you sent over to our office about a month ago or so, and I was just really impressed by the breadth of talent. Who are some of the Rendezvous artists that in the next five years are gonna become people that we're all gonna know? Well, there already are some that are kind of household names, especially if you're a fan of the saxophone. Um, I would say that one of the biggest honors for me is to be a part of Kirk Whalem's career. Kirk Whalem is my favorite living saxophonist. Uh, so I tell it to him all the time. He gets tired of me saying it, but it's true. I just absolutely adore him, and um, I just, I, I've never heard him play anything that I didn't love, even when he's just goofing off. Everything that comes through that horn is all heart. Uh, Kirk Whalem, Jonathan Butler, South African guitarist and singer. Um, we have Wayman Tisdale, former NBA All-Star turned incredible bass player. Um, these are all stars. That's that's the thing that kind of unites our roster. They're all in in their own individual realm. They are a star. It wouldn't matter what they did. They just have that personality. We just uh, signed Patty Austin. We're thrilled about that. Uh, Brian Simpson, who's been my musical director for 10 years, just released an album, his first album in 10 years. Huge hit. It's great. That's great. I've been listening to it on my iPod all the time. He's got a hot album. I think that his name 
he's going to be on the tips of a lot of people's tongues in as moving forward. Michael Linkton, who's another fantastic saxophone player, one of my favorites, alto sax. Um, Michael is right now, I think, underappreciated for how incredible musician the guy is. He just finished a full orchestral record. Beautiful songs of the 1970s from singer-songwriters like Elton John and, and James Taylor and Carol King and Joni Mitchell playing his you-know-what off. And I think that's going to be a big record this year. Wayman Tisdale's going to bust wide open, I think, with his new record. Um, Kyle Eastwood, who's Clint Eastwood's son, yeah, we've also, been checking out that CD. There's some really nice music on there, too. And he's making a new record, which... Uh, he's a big star in Europe, and uh, we're, we are endeavoring to, to bring his notoriety way, way up this year. Marc Antoine will have a new record this year. It's phenomenal flamenco-based um, jazz guitarist living in Spain. Uh, Praful, who is a woodwind artist, lives in Holland. Uh, and developed a, a whole new sound for radio uh, in the last couple of years that's combined elements of chill and down-tempo music and European sounds into a broad-based kind of, uh, of uh, radio sound. You know, that's an interesting transition. I read in one of the liner notes of one of the rendezvous artists this term of chill jazz, and it was the first time that I had heard chill used in relation to describing the music. Tell me more about that. Well, chill is kind of taking some of the elements that are really popular in other parts of the world. It's got a little bit of world music. It's got a little bit of smooth jazz. It's got a little bit of that kind of um, late night, really cool bar, hip restaurant kind of sound. Uh, and a lot of the places that you go that are really cool places to eat, very swanky, cool hotels, this is the music that you're hearing. It's hard to describe it in... in in um, verbal terms, but you kind of know it when you hear it. It's not very heavy on melody. It's more just setting up this kind of vibe where just one song very beautifully blends into the next song, and it's just about creating this space where total relaxation and total chill out can take, can take place. Saxophones. You've played yeah. Yamaha for a long time. Um, how did you first get introduced to Yamaha saxophones? You know, I think it was somebody that was um, working with. Uh, I'm going back to Richard Marks' days. This is when I was traveling with him. This was in like the, the late '80s, 1988 or something like that. And I played another brand for my whole life, pretty much, Selmer. Um, I had a Selmer student horn, and then I graduated to 
um, a set of Mark Sixes. I had a Mark Six tenor and a Mark Six alto and soprano. I loved, I loved those horns. And then somebody was working with uh, Yamaha was talking with Richard Marks and his people about something, and he said, "You know, we put, we we make saxophones too. Let me get you a couple to try it out." He sent me uh, a silver-plated alto, it was a '62 silver, and I fell in love with that horn and then he sent me the straight this one that I still have here this straight soprano 62 silver and this is probably my favorite horn that I've ever owned it and I use it constantly in the studio musicians that have known uh, me and work with me for a while talk about like the most people think that I'm an alto player and I started on alto probably most known for alto but I'm very passionate about the soprano saxophone because I think the soprano has been um, I, on record. I think it's not sounded great, and it's something that's very important to me to make sure that whenever I pick up that soprano that it sounds on an album or whoever I'm playing it for, that it's really the sound is so important, and so I take that very seriously. This instrument, the straight 62 silver, it's just so easy in the studio I love it I adore it so from that point on I played I played Yamaha what is it about that 62 when you first picked it up and fell in love as you say what is it what was it about that horn that really made you sit up and take notice it was just the easy play there was um, it, it had all the the right give and take you need a horn to have some resistance right um, but you also want it to be free blown and easy where it needs to be easy and push back when you need it to push back, if that makes any sense. A, a horn player would understand, or Brian would understand. And it just had that thing, you know, when you're, it just, everything felt right. Great intonation, incredible intonation too. And it just, um, for the sound that I was going for, it's just a sound that, that um, helped me as I was, uh, developing my own personality on the instrument as a soloist. Do you remember the first gig that you played your new Yamaha and then? Yeah, I think it was it was on tour with Richard Marks, and I remember it I remember it well. I was playing keyboards in his band, and I had a few sax solos. <laughs> and you had big hair in those days too. And I had very big hair. <laughs> and that I have was, some great pictures of you with big hair. I have to live with that too it's on my first record cover it le you had the big hair too i'm quite sure everybody yeah, did we all did but you didn't have you don't have something that's in the public marketplace staring back at you all the time
transitioning a little bit to talking about your music and you as the instrumentalist, your your last CD, Saxophonic, uh, I've been listening to your music for years and years and was a little bit of a departure for you, wasn't it? Very much focused on the saxophone, the songs were very saxophone based and was was really a lot of fun. Tell me about that process. That was a time when I was making that record, it was a few years now, uh, it was like a, a uh, um, rekindling of my relationship with the instrument. I've been playing the instrument for 30 years. 30 years I've been playing the instrument. <laughs> Makes me sound very old, yeah. and I am. So you started um, when you were two, right? No, I'm going to be 43, and I started when I was 13. Wow. So this is my 30th anniversary of playing the instrument. It's crazy, isn't it? But I'll tell you that um, it's like any f uh, primary relationship in your life. You go through periods where it's like uh, if you have a wife or a husband or a boyfriend, girlfriend, you kind of start taking each other for granted sometimes, and you have to wake yourself up and go, wait a minute, this is my, this is my partner here. I have to kind of snap back into place. Otherwise, it's not going to work out. And I was at that point before saxophonic maybe I was a little burned out and I spent some time with the instrument and I just fell in love again all over with it and I found some places that I hadn't been that I'd never gone before with the instrument and so in setting out to do the project uh, I just let the saxophone be the um, sometimes an artist can put their own head into it too much and it gets away from it gets away from where the heart and soul can be, and that's happened to me in, in my career before, if I start thinking too much. So this time, I took my mind and my head out of it, and I just let the saxophone go wherever I wanted to go, and then once I wrote a bunch of material, I mean way, way too much for one album, then I sat back and I looked at it and I said, well, what do I have? It had two Grammy nominations, that album. It's one for the whole album and one for the single for a performance. So I was very happy and very proud about that. Now, <clears throat> Those are although, tough to win, by the way. Although, although, although you didn't win the Grammy, is it truly just an honor <laughs> to be nominated? Um, Everybody says that, but do you really mean it? I'll tell you this, <laughs> that uh, when you get nominated, it really is enough. But when you're at the ceremony and they're doing your category... You really want to win. <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's it's an honor just to be nominated. Speech is really just the the right thing to say, but the, the night of the Grammys, you want to win. I mean, there's something special about winning. I mean, I, I'll tell you. Um, but then the next day, it's like oh, whatever. I had a good time. It doesn't change you or what you do, or doesn't change the. Maybe it helps CD sales temporarily, but. It doesn't change you as a person, necessarily. It does not. I, I think just to be um, 
respected that much to get a nomination because it's not easy to get nominated either, but it's really hard to win. What does the next Dave Cos recording project sound like? Well, we are finishing it up right now, and it probably won't be coming out until uh, January of 2007, but this is my dream album. This has been produced by a legendary producer by the name of Phil Ramone, and Phil and I put together a album called At The Movies, and it's all of the most famous songs from the movies, songs like Over the Rainbow and As Time Goes By and Moon River, and we did some of my all-time favorite themes, like from Cinema Paradiso, Ennio Morricone, uh, Summer of 42, um, and uh, some other songs. You know, we had we kind of spanned some de decades, different decades. We have great vocalists on there. Anita Baker sang on it. Vanessa Williams, Barry Manilow, um, even Donna Summer came in and sang a song on it. It was really a special project, full orchestra, wow. and very pristine and live and I'm very excited about it. TV reality show, what would that look like? Would it be very interesting? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it would be interesting. I mean, it's interesting to me in that no day is the same. It, it, my weeks always, if I'm in town, are, every day is something different. Uh, like today, for example, um, I had lunch with, I went to the radio station, I worked at the radio station, right? Um, I talked on the phone for about 20 minutes with Burt Backrack. So, Burt Backrack is one of my all-time heroes, and we had him as one of, one of our guests, so we recorded an interview about his new album. Um, and then I came to my office, and then I had lunch with David Benoit, who's a pretty famous keyboardist, a uh, good friend of mine. We walked over to have some lunch, and I came back, and one of our artists, Patty Austin, is here. And she's taking meetings with different people at our company, and after we finish this, I'm going to visit with her. And um, tonight, I'm supposed to have dinner with a pretty prominent manager um, who manages a huge pop star, uh, talking about some potential projects. It's interesting to me. I, 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 hope, I mean, I have a pretty little... I got a good thing going. I'm happy. So I think if if um, if every day, and not every day is like that, believe me. It just happens you caught me on an exciting day. <laughs> on a good day. The other five days, four days of the week, you're in your office playing solitaire, right? Something like that. But it's it's a it's a good life, and I feel very blessed to be able to have um, good friends and, and fun people to uh, spend it with. Who are you listening to right now on your iPod? That is a... Uh, that's a good question. I'm listening to... <clears throat> I have all of Michael Linkton's new record on there and all of uh, Wayman Tisdale's new record. I listen to a lot of 
our music that we're that is in production right now. Um, I spend a lot of time with it uh, on the iPod because um, that seems like the the most convenient place to listen to it. I also listen to we get some submissions so much now, and I try and listen to everything that's going on um, to varying degrees of success. But I like to listen to a lot of different music. As far as other uh, artists, I listen to that I really enjoyed recently. I had Eric Benet's new record. Um, I had a Take Six, their new one. Um, I had James Blunt's new record. Jamie Collins' new record. A lot of different things. Along the same line, what do you what do you order at Starbucks? <laughs> uh, I like the. I would go in and have a double, non-fat cappuccino extra hot can't have a like sometimes they don't do them that hot you need them extra hot I didn't know you could order that at Starbucks extra, extra hot extra hot how do they do extra hot they uh, heat the milk longer um, have to try that out yeah extra hot it means that you can enjoy your beverage longer uh, sure sure if the milk sits in the thing I'll <clears throat> We don't need to have the discussion, but I get it. <laughs> you you learned it here first, okay? Just remember when you go into Starbucks and you're now ordering everything extra hot. So we got chill and extra hot cappuccino. And everything in between. <laughs> Thank you.